Welcome to 12 Minutes of Dauntless Commentary on Widely Unaccepted Truth from God's Word. Hang on to your Bible. I am Elsie Breeden, and this is Audaciously Unpopular. Do you have somebody in your life that's always picking up pennies? You know, walking through a grocery store or in a parking lot, and they're always picking up pennies? (laughs) I am that person. My husband thinks I'm crazy. So if I ever do resist the urge to pick up the penny, I tell him about it so that he can be proud of me. Um, (laughs) It's one of the dynamics we have. And honestly, most of us don't care about pennies. And if we were given the option for a penny or literally any other piece of currency, we're going to choose something other than the penny because a penny is just not worth very much. Whether it's shiny or dull, whether it's been in the hands of a famous person or not, it doesn't change the value of the penny. We just look at it and we say, eh, it's not really worth that much. And nobody really wants the penny. I've even heard people talk about how they wish the government would like just do away with pennies. So it's not like people are fighting over the opportunity to have a penny. Nobody really cares. And I feel like a lot of us can identify with that penny, that we don't really feel wanted. There's that phrase that sometimes people say in jest, but sometimes in truth. If you're in a situation or a group of people and you suddenly don't feel like you belong or you suddenly feel like you're just not welcome, you're you're not wanted there. And so we say, well, I know where I'm not wanted and we leave. If you look at the definition of want, it means lacking. So if you think about it, If you name something that you want, it means that you don't have it. And so the question today is, do you feel wanted? Is there someone whose life is lacking you? Are you important? Are you worth something? Do they want to be around you? These are all ways that we measure how wanted we feel. So we're going to look at some scripture today. First in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 16. It's talking about Jesus, and he's, it says, As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, with the hired servants and went away to follow him. If you look over in Luke chapter 5 verse 8, Simon Peter responds to Jesus's call by saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. These are just a few accounts of how Jesus called his disciples. And if you know much about Jesus's disciples, they're not that special. And Most of them were not wanted by anyone else. Few facts about them. Matthew was a tax collector, so he was the outcast of all of the Jews because he worked for the oppressive Romans. Nathaniel, or Bartholomew, however you know him, he was under a fig tree, most likely feeling sorry for himself and definitely not doing anything productive. Peter was loud and stubborn, and he had a temper, and he wanted to fix everything. And he was also just a fisherman, not an educated seminary graduate, but a fisherman. 
James and John had tempers. Jesus called them the sons of thunder. They wanted to call fire down from heaven for somebody who disrespected Jesus one day. And Thomas, well, you know, he gets the rap for doubting a lot. And so if you look at these men that Jesus called, we wouldn't pick them. We would look at them and and given another option, we wouldn't go with them. We look at them like a penny. They're not really worth that much, right? But Jesus wanted them. His life lacked friends. His teaching lacked followers. His ministry lacked helpers. He wanted these specific men to be part of his ministry, to be part of his journey. And he found the guys of least importance, the ones that nobody else wanted. And even included in his whole choosing was the one that would betray him. Now, here's another question. If Jesus were to walk up to you in person, physically walk up, show up where you are, and ask you to follow him as he did these men, they were in the middle of their everyday life, in the middle of their work. This was a normal thing for them. And suddenly this man walks up to them and says, follow me. Now, if, if you were them, if you were just in your everyday life, you're at your work, you're doing the same thing you do every single day, and suddenly Jesus walks in and says, follow me, what would your response be? Now, a lot of us try to be like super spiritual and be like, oh, that would be awesome. I would go with him and then I could see all the things. But you have to remember, they didn't know everything yet. They didn't know everything like we know now. So even though we try to be super spiritual and say, yeah, I would go with him, chances are we wouldn't. And even if our response is we wouldn't because we don't know what we know now, I challenge you, what excuse are you giving him now? Because he does want you, and he has called you to follow him. He has called you to be his disciple. And a lot of the time, we have excuses. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough Bible. I can't quote enough scriptures. I don't know where things are in the Bible. I've not been to church long enough. I'm too shy. I don't make friends easily. I'm not good in social situations. I can't really talk that well. I'm not a great communicator. I don't have great grammar or eloquent speech and besides that you don't know where I've been you don't know my story you don't know where what what I've seen and what I've done and even though the past is the past hey you don't you don't even know what I struggle with now most of us have all of those excuses and then some when Jesus walks in to our lives and he says follow me and I will make you fishers of men I will make you carriers of the gospel ambassadors of Christ if you will follow me we have this whole list of reasons and at the same time we want to be wanted but we're not willing to be wanted by him because he requires following he requires obedience he requires trust and we're not about all that And if you look back at that penny that we started with, we don't know where it's been. We don't know how many times it's been dropped or stepped on. And the question is, who who even wants a penny? Who cares about a penny? And while you may not be able to find anyone, except for me, I, I still want the penny, but you may not be able to find anyone who actually wants that penny. When you compare your life 
to that penny. No, I don't know where you've been. And I don't know what your struggles are. And I don't even know what your excuses are. But I do know somebody who wants you. And his name is Jesus. He left glory. He left perfection to come down here, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless, perfect life, even though he was tempted with everything that we're tempted with. And even though he experienced all the struggles of this life that we experience, he lived it without sin to die on a cross, to pay for our sins, to pay for your sins. And if he would do all of that just to bring us to God, just to reconcile us, then why in the world would we ever say, nobody wants me? Or I'm not good enough. Because there is someone who definitely, most definitely, wants you. And even though you have all of these excuses and these struggles, I'm not discounting them, and neither is he. He's not going to turn a blind eye to your struggles. He's going to help you through them. He's going to help you conquer them. He's going to renew you and transform you into the image of Christ. It's just that he wants you even though you're not perfect. He wants you even though you're messed up. In Romans, it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting for you to fix yourself or to pick yourself up. You ever see a penny pick itself up? No, it takes somebody who wants it. So if you're that penny and you're like, I can't pick myself up, let Jesus, because I promise you that he wants you. He desperately wants you. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories about losing something and finding it again. And the first of these three stories was about a sheep. And he he tells the story that this man had a hundred sheep. And while he was out taking care of his sheep, he counted them and he only got to 99. And I'm sure he probably counted them again and again. And every time he counted them, they still only got 99. And he came to the conclusion there's one missing. And like a penny, most of us would look at the one sheep versus the 99 sheep and go, eh, it's just one. But this man cared. And he left the 99 and he went after that one sheep. Chances are that one sheep wandered away, not paying attention to the shepherd, got himself in its own mess made the wrong decisions, made the wrong choices to leave the flock. But even though he got himself in 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 that in that mess all by himself, the shepherd still wanted him. That sheep couldn't find his way back to to the fold by himself. Otherwise, he would have just come home. Right. But no, the shepherd had to go out and find the sheep because he wanted him. So I don't care what kind of mess you're in. I don't care where you've been or what you've done or what you struggle with today. I want you to know that there is a Savior named Jesus Christ who died for you and who wants you. And just like he chose those men of the least importance to walk with him on this earth, he is looking for anyone who will trust in him and who will follow him. At the end of the story, when the man found his sheep, he threw a party. And Jesus said that even the angels in heaven will rejoice over that one soul who repents. So wherever you are, Jesus wants you.